nearly trillion-dollar December pandemic relief package. There are eligibility requirements if you're already getting some forms of government assistance, for example, or if you lost income during the pandemic up to a certain level. Dow futures off 123. This is CBS News. CBS News Radio is your home for breaking news. With our team of reporters around the country and the world, we give you the coverage you can trust. Under the Hood, sponsored by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Police departments across America are trading in traditional cruisers for pickup trucks. Here's auto expert Jeff Gilbert. Ford Police Marketing Manager Greg Ebel says the F-150 could increase the top speed to 120 miles per hour. It's going to offer them enhanced pursuit capability. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service from the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Here's the dirt on dust. It may seem fine, but it's actually made of dead skin cells and dust mite droppings. That's where Swiffer Heavy Duty Dusters come in, with thousands of specially coated fibers to trap and lock dust in one swipe. Dust can't hide on ceiling fans and bookshelves anymore. When you're done, just remove the disposable cloth and voila, that dust is gone for good. Now that you know the dirt, say goodbye to the dust. Swiffer Heavy Duty Dusters. Stop cleaning. Start Swiffering. A woman in Florida faces charges for sneaking into a high school to promote her social media page. According to police, the 28-year-old walked right into the school in Miami Lakes, dressed like other students with a backpack and skateboard, to hand out flyers promoting her Instagram page. Between classes, she'd record videos of herself roaming the halls. Campus security stopped her several times, but she managed to escape. Police later caught up to the woman through social media thanks to those flyers. She now faces burglary and trespassing, among other charges. Monica Ricks, CBS News. Michael Bloomberg's donating a bundle to seven schools in hopes of increasing racial diversity in PhD programs in science, tech, engineering, and math. He's giving $150 million to Johns Hopkins, Morehouse, Morgan State, Prairie View A&M, Spelman, and the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. The initiative named for a black la uh, surgical lab supervisor. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. It's all about the nose. It's your air filter, the first line of defense against bacteria and viruses. If too many germs get stuck in your nose, guess what? You get sick. That's why it's so important to keep your nose clean, just like washing your hands. Nasal irrigation gets rid of germs by rinsing the nasal cavity, but neti pots are hard to use and, frankly, kind of gross. Now there's a better way to keep your nose clean and help your body protect itself. It's called Navage Nasal Care. Navage uses powered suction to flush out allergens, mucus, bacteria, and viruses. Millions use Navage for fast, all-natural relief from sinus congestion and allergies and to breathe better, sleep deeper, snore less, and feel healthier without drugs. Navage is easy to use, affordable, and comes with an absolute guarantee of satisfaction. You wash your hands and brush your teeth every day. Now it's time to start cleaning your nose with Navage. At Navage.com, CVS, Walgreens, Bed Bath, Target, and Rite Aid. Navage, N-A-V-A-G-E. Clean nose, healthy life. Hi, it's Randy and Boots from the Auto Smarts Radio Network. And why should you listen to our show on this station? Well, Boots is a man of many talents and has knowledge you won't believe. Just listen. Hey, Boots, what's your favorite thing to talk about? Cars. Rick Ocasek was the lead singer of what band? The Cars. What was Gary Newman's biggest selling song? Cars. Who was the all-time leading scorer in Notre Dame basketball history? Car. That's right, Austin Carr. Anything you'd like to add? Cars, cars, cars. 57 Chevy. Cars, That's Auto cars, Smarts. Friday afternoons cars, at 106 cars, on 970 WATH and 97.1 FM. Did I say 57 Chevy? Cars, cars, cars. 
people join Walk MS to raise awareness and funds that change the world for everyone affected by multiple sclerosis. Walk MS brings communities together, creating teams with friends, loved ones, and coworkers to rally around those we care about and end MS forever. Together, we can change the world for people with MS. Register today at walkms.org. The thing about the Home and Auto Bundle from Progressive is that by now you've heard a lot of ads about the Home and Auto Bundle from Progressive. We don't even need the words the Home and Auto Bundle anymore to tell you that you could save big with a ring-tailed lemur from Progressive or that every hot peach cobbler comes with round-the-clock service and protection. And that's the thing about the goat with magic powers. You've heard a lot of ads about the sushi in Vancouver. See how much you could save with the Home and Auto Bundle. <clears throat> with the Shaman in the Jungle from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Okay, my shipments have to get to customers on time and looking good. It's possible with Staples Connect. Staples Connect has small business shipping covered with premium shipping supplies, custom labels, and UPS shipping services. And now, buy two, get one free on decorative shipping supplies. Plus, get 20% off UPS Express shipping services. Explore what's new at your local Staples store or Staples Connect. Connect.com. Staples Connect, the working and learning store. Ends 529. Visit staplesconnect.com slash shipping for details. Weenie Wednesday. Corn dogs and regular hot dogs, 99 cents each. Open 1030 a.m. until 9 p.m. Head on over to Larry's Doghouse at 410 West Union Street in Athens. Fairhope celebrates life. If you're facing an end-of-life situation, Fairhope Hospice and Palliative Care. It is never too soon to call. Fairhope is here to listen. You don't have to face it alone. Fairhope cares for your loved one where they live. Or during times of stress, the Pickering House is a serene setting providing relief for the patient. To learn more about Fairhope's Care from the Heart, please call 1-800-994-7077. Fairhope Hospice, we celebrate life. What in the world is going on now? Find out every weekday at 8 a.m. and 7 p.m. on the World News Roundup from CBS News Radio and on Classic Hits 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. I-N-E-P-T. Inept Tech. Two, four, six, eight. Who do we appreciate? Oysters, oysters, raw, raw, raw. Well, Coach Turf, here we are at midweek and... Normally at this time, we discuss some aspect of inept tech football. This is the... This, this is my favorite part of the program. I was uh, noticing that several of the teams, both in college and the professional ranks, are using a formation called the shotgun formation. And you were telling me that uh, that formation actually developed at inept tech several years ago. Well, that's right. That, this goes back to 1961, and uh, most folks probably don't realize, but uh, they, they probably think that the uh, shotgun formation is named after the quarterback because the quarterback stands a little bit further back in the backfield than he does at the regular formation. They think that it's named after because where the quarterback stands, but that ain't right. That ain't uh, not right at all because back in 1961, we had a center name of a shotgun snapman and a, and a shotgun he could hike that ball so hard that the quarterback didn't want to stand right underneath him he had to stand back a little further about 10 yards and that's how come they call it the shotgun formation it's named after the center shotgun snapman back in Tech, class of 61 and don't have nothing to do with the quarterback that formation is somewhat uh, similar to the old single wing formation isn't it coach 
Well, that's right. You know, single wing, double wing, triple wing, everybody's heard of them, but we had in innovated back in NF Tech something called the Forpal Wing. The Forpal Wing, where the quarterback stands about 10 yards back, the halfback stands about 8 yards back, the fullback stands about 6 yards back, and the wide receiver stands about 4 yards back, and they're all there back there in the backfield, and the, and, and then the center could center the ball at any one of them, and so we had a Forpal attack where people running in four different directions at the same time. I'll be back to talk more inept tech football history with Coach Turf right after we pause for this message. Coach Turf, another piece of football lore that developed here at Inept Tech was the term the lonesome end, and I think you were telling me that you actually developed that play. Well, that's right. You know, that was invented right here at Inept Tech. A lot of folks is under the false suspicion that it was invented by somebody else at some other program, but they're not right. It came about right here. I remember back in 1957, we had a boy on the ball team named of a Dog Breath Duncan. Dog Breath, one of my uh, personal favorites. He was a end. He was a wide receiver, and uh, he never did go into the huddle because the other boys on the ball team wouldn't let him in there. You know, uh, he, they made him stand outside the huddle 10, 20, 30, sometimes even 40 yards away from the huddle, and he'd stand out there and make up his own plays, make up his own pass patterns, and that worked out real good. And the fact that he was out there all by himself is the reason they call it the lonesome man. So that play actually developed here at Inept Tech. And Just like a lot of other plays that uh, has started right here, and folks don't know that, and that's the reason for this here program. And this young man actually gave more to the school than his four years of eligibility. Well, that's right. Not only that, he give us something else. You know, he, he give uh, the game of football something else even after he is dead and gone. What legacy did he leave behind, Coach? Well, he loved NF Tech. He loved the oysters. He loved football so much he wanted to hang around even after he was gone. And so we buried him on the football field in what you call now your coffin corner. Sports fans, for the next thrill-packed interview with the head coach of the Fighting Oysters of Inept Tech, the coaching legend in his own mind, the one and only Coach Art Turf. In our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. looks great outside and it is great outside forty five degrees though it'll warm up let me get that screen up here hit it up to sixty two It's been a weird morning, I, I, I tell you that. And um, let me just go and see if this is uh, what I think it is here. Well, I didn't mean to do that. Okay. Can we put them on hold? Let's put it on hold. And then I grab it how? Push again. Push again? Yeah. 
Okay. Um, I'll tell you, <laughs> this is a crazy morning. Uh, Tom, you there? Good. Oh, good, yes, good. I am. It all worked out, but at the final seconds, that's cool. Anyway, folks, um, you probably heard us mention over the last couple of days, uh, Tom Gibbs, the superintendent of Athens City School District, uh, was going to be our guest today. And uh, that all worked out about 20 seconds ago. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, you're out visiting some of the schools. This is something you do often, right? Uh, Yes. As a matter of fact, right now I'm standing in uh, in the art room of the new East Elementary School. Well, I drive the by there uh, every morning, uh, kind of because of the um, the construction on Stimson. So I, I go down uh, whatever that is, and then I make turn my head hard to the left to see how the construction's going. Um, I should just drive up closer, but I, I anyway. What um, what when is that due to open? Uh, we're we're hoping to be able to uh, start um, moving in, you know, books and things of that nature um, sometime early July, and uh, students will start here in August. So it's it's nearing completion, right? Yeah, it is. It's in that final stage. If you've ever you know built a home or yes. or, um, or or building where it's the the main structure is 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 pretty complete. The envelope is. They're finishing up windows and doors now. And uh, in the interior, they're doing you know, all the uh, first coat of paints on, all the primer. They're starting to do the top coats and installing cabinetry and and all of those exciting things that you know make a make a space more like a home. Refresh my memory. Uh, wh- why was this done? Uh, East Elementary. Both my uh, well, let's see here. My stepson didn't graduate from there, but. He he did from the Athens system later on, but um, both my kids graduated from East Elementary. Uh, why what what why did they think it was necessary to do a major major overhaul? So uh, the Ohio uh, Facilities Construction Commission uh, comes into uh, schools and does a complete assessment, and they look at the the HVAC and the roof and the the plumbing and the age of everything, and they do a determination based on a whole lot of criteria mm-hmm. as to what would need to be upgraded, what would need to be replaced. And then they, they put a cost to that and then uh, compare that to the cost of building new. Mm-hmm. And if, if the ratio is more than 66% uh, renovate to build new, they suggest that you build new. Um, so do you so recall what well the, do you recall what that percentage did turn out to be? It was over seventy percent. Okay, I can't tell you the exact number, but it was over seventy percent. Okay. Well, um, so anyway, now uh, when you let's see, you were here, of course, when uh, when it was also um, East Elementary before, so. Size-wise, what are we what are we going to see different? Is this able to accommodate a larger body of students? Is it how many square feet? Is it the same or more or less? Is it you know what I'm trying to say? Give us some yeah BC. yeah. So it's it's just a completely different building. So the the original building was a little over fifty one thousand square feet, uh, but uh, you probably are aware. 
that 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 was actually uh, built kind of the the oldest part of the building was from the early 1900s and then there was a newer part that was built in the the 50s and an even newer part that was built in the 80s so it had been kind of added to and added to mm-hmm. um, and there was actually quite a bit of wasted space in that 51,000 square feet um, the new building's about 55,000 square feet um, but it feels even bigger than that because it's just all of the space is designed and planned for for the program. Mm. And uh, the old building was a K to six building. This building is a uh, preschool through third grade building. So all of the spaces are designed for uh, early childhood education. Wow. Now, does that mean that some of the the schools that are currently serving um you called it pre-K. Um, well, anyway, yeah. that younger group are going to be changed also to serve the older groups, and more of those will go to East? No, so currently all of our preschool classes are out at our office building in Chansey, the old Chansey Elementary. Oh. Okay. And so we will, no, we will no longer have preschool there at all. The preschools will be, uh, half of the students will be at East, and half will be at Morrison Gordon. Okay. And then the grades four through six students, um, this uh, summer we're going to start doing a complete renovation and overhaul of the Plains Elementary School and a small addition to it, and that building will become the grades uh, four to six intermediate school for the district. So it doesn't matter what elementary school, well, now I don't even know what to call them anymore, Uh, but... uh, so a lot of the everything's changing, is basically. Yeah, yeah. So we no longer have we'll no longer have that structure of a typical you know what we grew up with K to six school. Yeah. There will be two pre K to threes for the entire district, and then all of the students will be together starting in fourth grade. I'll be darned. Well, um, is this? Um, I mean, I don't want. Of course, it's. I just realized I had a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is this the way the country's going? Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know um, exactly how to respond to that exact okay. question. I, I can tell you that part of the challenge for Athens City Schools is that we used to have significantly more students. Um, so we used to have... Uh, nearly 3,700 students, and this year we're down to about uh, 2,300. So, maintaining what used to be five separate elementary schools, when you know when Chanty was included in that, um, just becomes more and more challenging because of the number of students at each location. Okay. Well, gee, um, when did? Uh... From from the school's point of view, when did COVID start? What month was it? <laughs> March March tenth, two thousand twenty. Okay, I'll never forget that day. <laughs> so yeah, so that's um, basically uh, fourteen months ago. Now, yes. Uh, you talked to a lot of your. What am I trying to say? With your, as a superintendent, you mix it up with a variety of other school superintendents at various meetings and things like that. 
Yes. Would you say what Athens has gone through has been different or the same or typical or, you know, when you talk to your fellow superintendents about? In, in regards to COVID specifically? Yes, yeah, well, or any topic you like, but uh, I am <laughs> yeah. talking about COVID, yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, Athens is a, a little bit different than some of our surrounding districts. Um, politically, we have, uh, we have um, <laughs> folks who are kind of on the opposite end of the political spectrum uh, from, from a lot of southeast Ohio. Um, and as you know, unfortunately, this issue has become in some ways, uh, how the response has been made has been tied to political affiliation in a lot of instances. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think if you compare Athens to some of the surrounding smaller rural districts, um, we were a little more cautious in our timeline for coming back uh, full-time in person with students, Um, whereas, you know, some of our neighboring districts like Nelsonville and Alexander and a little further out, Warren and uh, some of the folks in Meigs County, uh, they were back um, four or five days a week before Christmas break. And um, it, it took us until a little bit after, well, the week after spring break to be in that position. The um, From an education point of view, do you feel that the students had anything less than a good year? Um, with with their being zoomed and and the different things that were used to try to keep education occurring. Yeah, that, that that's a really complex question. Um, I I think though, if we're all being brutally honest about the situation, uh, school is a whole lot more than uh, what we learn from from books. Um, School is, uh, you know, there's the social and emotional piece to it where students learn to interact with one another and to be part of a broader community and, um, you know, just (laughs) go through those developmental uh, stages that, uh, you know, COVID has been rather disruptive to. Um, I think we've done a fair job of responding and actually a very good job of responding given the the circumstances. However, I think if you, if you, spoke with teachers and parents, um, the overwhelming majority would tell you that uh, being in school in person is better for students. Yeah, well, that in my head, that's kind of a duh, you know, uh, yep. of course. But what, um, let's see here. Um, we all know that so many things are different. There are still a few events remaining, I think. And I want to know, or maybe they have in some fashion occurred. I'm not up to speed on everything. Let's take prom, for example. There are mm-hmm. um, certain events that, uh, particularly for seniors, um, they remember the rest of their lives, I guess. Um, uh, you know, prom, commencement, that sort of thing. Now, I, I have a granddaughter who's in that situation. Uh, Julia, mm-hmm. now, what? Um, tell tell me about prom. Has has what there was going to be of it already occurred or not? Well, you're you're putting me on the spot, Dave. Uh, I'm I, sorry. I don't. 
I don't attend. I don't attend prom myself. I can tell you um, <laughs> that that the plan for prom has been uh, that it would be at the high school. Uh, typically, we have it at other venues, but it's at the high school so that there's more space. Yeah. Uh, students um, were allowed to dance. Uh, were allowed to uh, to uh, take their masks off to to eat and sit with their friends at, at tables, that kind of thing, and have um, refreshments. Um, so it was probably closer to what we consider normal than what anyone would have expected even a couple of months ago. Right. Um, but uh, I think that the, the students um, decided to use the theme of kind of a masquerade uh, <laughs> to, oh. to, to play off of the having to wear masks. So yeah, that's I think they did a Yeah. They're so pretty, pretty the, clever about addressing the issue. It's occurred then. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, that sounds and then very creative it's that's good now yeah and then and then graduation is going to be on saturday the 22nd at 11 a.m and uh, it'll be in person and um, we're hoping to have it outside at joe burrow stadium and um as given that that a lot of folks can be vaccinated now and we have plenty of space in our stands um we've you know been able to allow everyone to have their families attend and uh, space folks out. So I th- I'm hoping for good weather and that we'll have a nice outdoor graduation and, and uh, it'll be as close to typical as we can get. The 22nd. Good. Now, um, let's, let's talk about staff. Uh, each year you have a certain degree of turnover because of either retirement or relocation or for whatever um has there been any unusual staff situation no not really um Good. Good. we we yeah no we, we had a handful of retirements a couple of folks who moved out of the area but nothing exceptional fair enough now um the school itself do you, um, you know, even though it's not being used, it had to be maintained. Um, and then there were additional costs that arose because you couldn't have school in building. So we've had a show well, a couple months ago, I think, about the fact that students were provided Chromebooks, Right. Correct. Yes. And is this um, now? Is this something they get to keep, or will these be returned like a library and then reissued down the road if necessary, or how's that work? Yeah, we're in the process uh, now of collecting them at the end of the year, and we'll uh, go through and, and clean them all up and decide which ones need uh, replaced or, or any repair, and then they will be redistributed in the fall um, as needed. It may look a little different in the fall because right now every student has one uh, that they can take home. Mm-hmm. Um, in the fall, we're hoping to be in person um, and, and, again, back to quote-unquote normal as best as possible. So um, more than likely Chromebooks for our youngest learners will actually stay at school in the classrooms, um, and uh, they'll, they'll use them there and not have to take them back and forth. Let's, let's talk about pre-COVID. Uh I can tell you in, in, well, you can guess how, how important a computer is to my life. 
Now, mm-hmm. um, for students that were unable to, shall we say, afford a computer, uh, before COVID, did the school have any program to help them, uh, to assist them in having one? Uh, for for uh, grades 7 through 12, yes. So we had already, uh, when, when we had to respond to COVID, uh, a couple of hundred of our high school students already had uh, district-issued Chromebooks uh, in their possession uh, or had to come get them out of their lockers if they had left them in their locker. Um, so, yes, we had a program like that, and we will continue a program like that. Now, the, the um, one of the real challenges that you faced, as I recall, was uh, having Internet access everywhere where your students live. And um, once again, even though you've described it before on this program, do so again. Um, how did you go about getting that all set up and, and running? And I assume it will continue now? Um, it will continue in a in a moderated form, um, modified form. We um, we last year signed a contract with T-Mobile for um, internet hotspots, the cellular uh, based uh, internet, and um, had done a survey and distributed hotspots based on uh, the the needs of the families at that time. Um, what we found was uh, after we implemented our programming in the spring was that a lot of families originally thought they were good to go, um, actually then later requested a hotspot because you know, they might have been working from home with their children learning from home, and the combined uh, effect on their home Internet was that it was bogging things down. So in the summer, we applied for a, a federal grant uh, through the State Department of Ed and received another $150,000 uh, that we used to purchase additional hotspots um, and some additional Chromebooks as well. Mm-hmm. Now, um, you know, I'm a statistics guy, so um, you, you may not have this fully memorized, but at least you can take a poke at it. Uh, during the course of this past school year, how many Athens students... Um, We'll start with students. How many actually contracted COVID that you're aware of? Oh, uh, <laughs> I, t- to be honest, a lot of instances they weren't reported to us because okay. if, if they contracted COVID away from school and had not been attending school in person, uh, there might not have been a reason to notify us. Um, but if, if we're talking about students who were attending in person uh, that were part of our programming that we had to be notified and then we had to do contact tracing. Um, it was less than 30. Okay. Now, um, my next uh, question would obviously be staff or teachers. Um, uh, about the same. A little bit more than students, but uh, but overall about the same number. Okay. And we assume everybody recovered properly, right? Um, I mean, I, I am aware of a couple of people who were very ill, yes. um, and uh, as you know, we're not quite sure what the long-term negative impacts on, on people's health is, um, but by and large, um, to the best of our knowledge, everyone has, has recovered. With what we have experienced, did you 
feel as a superintendent that you were uh, crushed with a lot of complaints this year? Or do you think Uh, people handled it pretty well? I think that our population handled it well. Um, I think our our Board of Education did a really good job of holding. We held more frequent meetings. We made those meetings available uh, online as Zoom meetings, so we had uh, more people could attend and could attend safely. And we had open conversation about planning at those board meetings. And I, I and then I, I frequently then communicated that information out via uh, emails to all the families. Um, so I think we did a, a pretty good job of communicating. And then I think uh, our families did a really good job of just responding to the, the situation. I'm looking at my notes from um, our, our last uh, radio show, which was March 3rd. And um, let's see, there was a question here. Are there some good this? Are there some good this that had to be done that you would like to continue? As my, I was typing fast, as you can tell. But um, yeah. <clears throat> the point is, what good has come out of this? Well, I mean, I, I, I think if nothing else, we've uh, realized that there are some things that we can do uh, in a more flexible environment. I'll use as an example that uh, in, in the past, every time I was on your radio show, I, I uh, drove over to the station and stopped in. And so in a situation like today, we wouldn't be talking right <laughs> right now, more than likely. Um, but because I had I had forgotten to put this on my calendar and I was at the construction site. And mm. so when I got the text and could make a call and you got me on the radio, that's something that you might have been able to do then, but you're, we're all much more fluid about it now. Um, and that goes with, with, uh, with large group meetings and things as well. I, I was able this year to have meetings with um, a couple of hundred teachers at a time, you know, close to 200 teachers at one time where they could log into a Zoom meeting and throw questions into a chat and um, have kind of a system-wide staff meeting. That in the past, trying to do that in an auditorium, <laughs> and yeah. you know, and and yell out answers over a microphone, that kind of thing is is uh, is a bit of a challenge. So, um, I think another piece would be professional development for faculty and staff. Um, just a whole lot easier to uh, to have again, series of short professional developments that are online where folks can do that from their classrooms during planning periods, Um, planning across buildings with staff. So if they have the same planning time, instead of having to drive from one location to another, now they're very adept at, you know, getting online, having an online meeting and being able to do some cross-district planning that in the past um, would not have been uh, as common. And then from a student perspective, sorry, you got me going. <laughs> from a student perspective, we're actually offering, in some cases, uh, we have one class at the high school. We had some students who were interested in having a class on um, on uh, racism. And, uh, and uh, you know, we really didn't have a class at the high school to do that. And so we worked with some community members to put together what's called a flex credit course. And they're offering that online via Zoom. So there's five or six volunteer community members who are teaching that, we'll call it a class, but it's more of a workshop, and kids are able to, to uh, access it remotely and participate. And so it's just a, 
a unique way to be able to get a variety of different people into the same space and, and collaborating, working, and learning together. Uh, Tom, I got to tell you, we could be interrupted here sometime in the next 60 seconds or so with an EAS okay. test. And uh, just stand by. Um, I know those tones are a little annoying once in a while, but uh, this is a thing that happens uh, state uh, based on state rules and things like that. So if folks, okay. and you put up with it too, we're uh, sometime in the next, let's see, this is at 9.40.20. So I don't know. That's a couple minutes okay. yet. Let's just keep going, and then we'll um, come back after those things normally last 30 seconds or so. All right. Let's see here. Um, now, you started the program with st- statistics about enrollment. Would you repeat those? We had peaked at what level and where are we today? And these are ballpark. Uh, so if you want, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm standing on a construction site, not at my desk. Just, yes. just ballpark. Uh, high-end Athens had about 3,700 students, okay. um, 3,700. And that's in and all this year, grades, right? All grades together. Correct. And and keep in mind, that was before open enrollment existed. Oh. So those were all resident students. Okay. Um, and now we're down to about 2,300, and that is including um, about a, uh, well over 100 open enrollment students. That 3,700 was what year? Uh, if my, my memory serves me correctly, I think that was back in the eighties, which makes sense, right? That's when they built the new Morrison Gordon, uh, uh, elementary school. That's when they put the addition on East. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain it was late seventies, early eighties. Okay. Scott, now are you telling me we should play this now? Okay. So we've received the, uh, the notice from the state. So we'll be right back after this, uh, EAS test. Thank you. How about that? Live radio. Tom, <laughs> you're, uh, I hear you now. Uh, I want to make sure we didn't lose you. Okay. Yep. Um, okay. You know, everybody has wishes, even superintendents. What is a wish you would have for the district you or superintendent of Athens School District, Athens City School District. What is a wish you wanted to impose or start or occur that you've just never been able to get done? Well, I mean, I think we're in the midst of uh, of, of a big part of that, and that is to... Um, when I when I got hired to be the superintendent, the the board uh, was really interested in improving our facilities. And uh, after having been here a bit, I understood why that was a priority for them. Uh, but then also uh, the way we were currently at that time, the way we were structured, uh, created some inequities between uh, students um, in regards to what educational services they had access to. So, you know, one one big goal for me has been and continues to be that we create a system where every student has access to all of the services they need um, 
to to support them and to be successful so that when they graduate from Athens High School, they can join the military and be successful or go out and, and immediately go into the workforce and be successful, or if they choose to go to college, that they can go to college and have the, a strong academic foundation to do that. Um, and I, I think we're headed in that direction. It's We still have uh, years of work ahead of us, um, both from a physical perspective of building the buildings, but then also just uh, from the perspective of assuring that our programs then inside the buildings are um, able to be accessed by all of our students. The financial status of our school district, um, do you have a lot of worries or is it pretty much on track and um, or do you see um, problems forthcoming? Um, um, I I don't see problems forthcoming. Uh, the, the way our tax structure is set up um, is is such that when you pass an operating levy, uh, it's for a certain dollar amount, and that amount doesn't increase with inflation. So uh, there's always a period of time where you have to come back and ask your, your voters for um, additional money at some point. Uh, we've been fortunate that uh, during my seven years now with the district, um, we, we asked voters for a bond issue for the buildings, but from an operational perspective, we've actually been um, just slowly through attrition making some adjustments to our, our staffing and our spending mm-hmm. so that we've been able to, to maintain. Um, so I, I think right now uh, we look pretty stable. My guess is, is uh, three, four years out into the future, we may need to come back to voters and ask um, for some additional support, unless unless there's a change in the state funding methodology, which is you know currently being debated at the state house, but uh, hard to tell if that'll actually occur. Um, you know, years ago there was a, an expression: reading, writing, arithmetic. Right. Um, today, uh, education is. Um, and certainly, gratefully so, expanded to many more topics. Mm-hmm. And how does, who is it that figures out if you need to offer a new course in this or that? Or add a particular, the, okay, the curriculum. Who figures it out? It, it really is something that uh, happens as a, as a result of just, you know, um, for, let's use, for example, uh, use of technology. We've been slowly increasing use of technology, uh, but, you know, the you know, COVID pandemic hit, and all of a sudden we went from, you know, going on, going on a pretty slow and steady speed to hitting, hitting the accelerator. So mm-hmm. in some instances, it's just something happens uh, that's bigger than the school or the community, uh, something happens in the world that kind of changes our perspective and causes us to make those changes. Um, in other instances, it's, it's, it can be more gradual. But if you look at, I mean, some of those things that are beyond, be above and beyond reading, writing, arithmetic, um, you know, all of the, in, in health classes, talking about um, um, uh, d- drug awareness and, and prevention education. 
uh, that's a response to um, social issues well beyond the school that are you know prevalent in the broader the broader community and throughout the world. Um, so there, it's oftentimes we're responding in some way to uh, challenges that exist um, beyond the school building. Okay. Now, if if you were the uh, interviewer. Um, what do you think is a good question that I've failed to bring out? Oh, oh wow. Hang on again. <laughs> Are you still there, Dave? It'll stop. What? It'll stop. Okay. Are we are we still on, Dave? Well, we're back, folks. I'm, again, the EAS system. Um, oh, what's what's my friend's name up in Columbus? He Greg Savoldi. There we go. Just came out. He, Greg Savoldi. Um, um, we want our system to be perfect. It has not been perfect the last um, few months, and so they've been doing extra tests. And obviously, something wasn't right. What time is it? Uh, eight minutes ago, so they did it again. All right, uh, Tom, you still there? Yes. Okay. Sorry, I had just asked you a question, and for the life of me, I can't even remember what it was. You? You'd asked me if if, <laughs> if there was something that we had not talked about that I felt might be important. Yeah, ha, um, that's good. Do yeah, it. Yeah, we, yeah, we haven't, I mean, planning for next fall. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, last year we had the state legislature gave us broad latitude to make decisions about uh, online versus in person. Um, and for this coming year, they have not done that. Um and I think that's important okay. information for people to people to have. Repeat that. I'm sorry, I got distracted for a second. No, nope. nope. that's right. Uh, this year, the state legislature and the governor have not approved legislation that will allow us the same flexibility to go completely online, um, okay. kind of go back and forth as the need arises. Um, so right now. Unless districts are creating uh, special charter schools and separate organizations that are online uh, schools, um, the what 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 we have to plan for is to be back in person. Well, and um, I think that's really important information for families to have, because as you're aware, uh, they they approve vaccinations down to age 12 um, now. For Pfizer, but uh, our youngest learners will not have access to vaccine likely before the start of the school year. Okay. Um, I have one in my family that's not covered yet, and um, I'm talking about my Athens gang. Um, mm -hmm. So, but as I understand it, the newest thing will cover that person. 
Um, what about your life? How has it changed with all of this? <laughs> that that's a that's a good question. Um, I was always pr- uh, 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 pretty much a homebody to begin with. We uh, our family is very close knit, and we do a family dinner together practically every night and spend a lot of time at home. Um, so for us, uh, it uh, I think the biggest challenge for us as a family was um, the additional workload of both the combination of COVID and building two school buildings at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it doesn't matter where you do that work. If it's at home or in your office or a combination, it's just a lot going on at one time. Um, but the bigger one, and I think a lot of families are feeling this is, is we just haven't been able to get out and, and kind of get a break, uh, travel anywhere. You know, we used to go to Columbus for dinner once a month or so. And, uh, we just haven't been doing those things. Um, and, uh, we're, you know, I think like a lot of people, we're starting to feel it (laughs) and the weather's getting nice. And we had our first, uh, family event last Sunday. Um, and by the first, I mean, I don't know if it's been a year. I think it's been a year, but it's been a long time. Mm -hmm. And, and it was so, I just have missed it so. Well, anyway, things are getting back to normal. Um, but, man, I, this has not been something I want to do again. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the quality of education that Athens uh, provides. Um one of the things over the years that I've always paid a little attention to was where our students ended up after leaving Athens or not leaving Athens, but leaving the Athens school district. Um, we have, you know, and correct me if I'm going overboard or not, but the number of graduates who go on to other institutions of notoriety and are recognized for their excellence. Um, I think it's a very remarkable number. Now, react to that, and then I've got a follow-up question to yep. the opposite. Okay. No, yeah, Athens, Athens is very uh, atypical. We are not the normal... Uh, school district, not just in Southeast Ohio, but in the state of Ohio. We have a, a higher than uh, average uh, college attendance rate, and we do. We have a, every year we have a whole batch of students who get, uh, get accepted to, to, to Tier 1 uh, universities, Ivy League universities, um, and then just a, uh, <laughs> an incredible number who get accepted to just very well-regarded um, institutions across the country um it's not uncommon that we have you know a, a, a couple of uh seniors that are going to harvard and yale and brown and and uh, stanford and um that's that is um pretty typical for our our graduating students now um it's always fun to boast about that 
and I don't boast isn't the right word, but to be proud of it. Um, what, what is there that could be done to cause in the bottom tier of a class, and I'm talking about from an edu- educationally bottom of the tier, to raise those up higher? You, does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's really central to what our conversation has been about in restructuring the, the school district and in, uh, and improving our programs as, as part of that process uh, is providing, you know, not everyone comes to school at the same at the same spot. Some of us have access to high-quality preschool or have a parent who can stay at home who's well-educated and can, can, uh, and can uh, provide instruction at home and... Um, you know, we have other families who just, because they have multiple people, you know, both parents may be working or a single parent home and the, the, the parents working that, um, you know, not all kids are starting at the same spot. And then all not all students have the same supports um, throughout uh, their their 13 years with us. So what we've been trying to do is, is um, look at it through that lens and say, okay, what additional supports can we provide uh, to those students who need them? Uh, to help them be uh, more successful at school. And, um, and I think we're doing a, a, a good job of improving along that path. Um, Athens has always been, done a very good job of that, but I think uh, with, with more concentration and, and effort specifically to that end, um, I think we're improving each year. You know, I'll just tell a personal story. I don't know as I've said this on the air before. I had a fifth year of, um, I had a second senior year, is what I'm trying to say. I loved my work in theater and music so much that I did very poor in school my senior year. I had an English teacher, Janie Fawcett. Remember Novice Fawcett? He was the president of I, Ohio State. Oh, oh yes. Okay, yes, the, the Fawcett Center for Tomorrow is a building no, named for him there on the Olentangy River. Anyway, Janie was his uh, daughter. Anyway, she said, uh, you didn't do well enough to pass. So I had a fifth senior year. Not a fifth senior year. A, 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 you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, it was a really good year. Because I was so, I almost said pissed off. Um, I was so upset at not graduating with my class I'd been with for 12 years that I just really tried to show my stuff, right? And I did. Mm -hmm. Uh, As it turned out in the long run, that was a good thing for me. But, boy, it was awful at the time. Um, oh, well, I don't know why I shared that story. Well, I mean, I think it's a great example of how, uh, given given the right level of support, a lot of students who might otherwise not finish high school or might not uh, be fully prepared to go out and do what they want to do with their lives, given that additional support, they can. Yeah. Um, so, bravo to you. Good. Well, good, I didn't mean it good like work. that anyway. No, that's a great example, though. I, I share my own example that, you know, I, I did not have the easiest upbringing. And, uh, 
and going, you know, no one in my family had ever gone to college. So um, I think it's important that we share those stories with our, our students and our, our young people so that they know that it's possible uh, and that uh, sometimes working through those more difficult times is what makes us stronger and more capable to be successful as adults. Tom, I appreciate your taking the time to be on the show with us today, and, and we'll keep in touch, okay? Yeah, my apologies for showing up late. <laughs> it, it all worked out. Hey, if you think you were in bed, I woke up at 8.50. <laughs> I was so tired last night that, um, man, I scrambled to get in here, and I made it. Okay, take care now, and we'll we'll be back with you sometime down the road. Okay, have a great day. Okay, bye-bye. Uh, so, um, Tom Gibbs, superintendent of Athens City School District. Anything new in your life, Scott? Uh, well, yeah, lots of stuff. As always, you know, every day brings new things, and uh, a new day brings good things, too. It, right? Uh, it looks like it's going to be a beauty out yeah, there. It does. Sure does. As I said, uh, mm-hmm. headed to 62 today, 66 tomorrow, 67 on Friday. No mention of any rain in any of this stuff until Monday. So uh, it's going to be a beautiful weekend. N- nothing in the 70s. Closest will be is Saturday, 69. And right now we're showing 50 degrees here on Columbus Road. So Thursday edition is tomorrow. We'll see you then. Take care out there and uh, be careful. In our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H-F-N's. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. Congresswoman Liz Cheney is out as the third-ranking Republican in the House. Fellow GOP lawmakers voted to demote her less than an hour ago. Correspondent Stacey Lynn is in Washington. Wyoming Representative Liz Cheney was ousted after her continued criticism of former President Trump and his election fraud claims. She responded after the vote. We are a party that can fight for conservative principles, that can fight for substance. We cannot be dragged backward uh, by uh, the very dangerous lies of a former president. GOP members say they're looking for a more unified party. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy wants to replace Cheney with New York Representative Elise Stefanik. Donald Trump has just released a statement he calls Liz Cheney a bitter, horrible human being. Drivers in the Southeast are in panic mode, lining up to fill up, and it's costing them. I spent 